Good morning, good morning, family Christ. If you love the Lord, say amen. amen. If you're ready for Christmas time, say amen. amen. I'm going to start off the message with a little something, something that uh, I want you to join me on. goes a little like this. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. That mourns in lonely exile until the Son of God appears. Until the Son of God appears. Sing it out. Come on. Rejoice. Rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. In case you didn't know, uh, Thanksgiving is over. The turkey is dead. God rest his soul. And Christmas time is here. Look to your neighbor and say, baby Jesus is coming to town. That's right. How many of y'all, right after your 6,000 calorie meal for Thanksgiving dinner, you sat down, get ready to hibernate on the couch, watch the game, you flip on the game. Before you know it, they already playing Christmas music on the radio. How many of y'all know that? That's right. So the Christmas music starts uh, bumping and the lights start coming on and the trees start coming in. So Christmas time is here. And uh, as you know, we are in the second week of a four-week series that we're calling Scenes from the End of the World. And you are probably asking yourself, why in the world would you do a series on the end of the world when Christmas is right around the corner? So we try to express it a little bit, but in case you missed it, the reason is because we are celebrating, look to your neighbor and say celebrate. We're celebrating the second coming of Jesus with the first one. And as you know, as Christ followers, we believe that the end of the world as we know it, it's not the end of everything because there's a whole lot more to come. But the end of the world as we know it, the end of the age, is directly tied to the second coming of Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And that's exactly what the scriptures say, and I'm excited to get to unpack that for you today. So what we're doing is we're marrying the second advent with the first advent. So, you know, I thought to myself, uh, our people are probably wondering, this is about the time that a church like Highland, I mean, we, we, love, the, we love the word, right? We love the gospel. So shouldn't we be doing a series convincing people that Jesus was really, or excuse me, Santa was really the one that stole Christmas? Okay, we've been blaming the Grinch for all of this time. It was really Santa, okay? And that we should rebel. We should, we should start a grassroots movement and, and, and just rebel against the system. Every time somebody says, happy holidays, we should tell them with love and compassion, it's Christmas, okay? The love and compassion of Jesus, you know what I'm saying? It's Christmas. Merry Christmas. Get it right. The love and passion, the compassion of Jesus. So these are some valid some valid thoughts, and believe me, I share many of these sentiments, but we're taking the end of 2012 and the popular conversation about the end of the world as we know it, and we want to, we want to go ham on this thing, and uh, so my experience talking with, with Christ followers, um, many Christ followers, my people, my people, my experience is that um, we, have, we have an ignorance about what the scriptures teach about uh, Christ's return. Um, many of us are in the dark. Um, many of us don't have a solid understanding. 
And that's why God equips um, his people with uh, leaders who love the word and want to want to explain that thing. So that's what I'm going to do today. Uh, last week, Miss Sherry, my, my sister and fellow soldier in the Lord, she just knocked it out the park. Anybody was, was anybody here last Sunday? I mean, she was dropping bombs, just knocking them out the park about the signs of the time, the Antichrist, and the spirit of the Antichrist. And so, as Pastor Shannon said earlier, what I'm doing today is I'm going to be unpacking uh, the second coming of Jesus and the great tribulation and the rapture. I know some of y'all are like, I want to leave right now, okay? Because these are all the topics. These are three of like the seven topics that will get you kicked out of a church, right? Okay? So I've been committed. I don't know. Maybe Pastor Shane trying to tell me something, okay? He, so so he's trying to turn the people against me or something, okay? So we, we're going in today, and uh, I want to draw your attention uh, matter of fact, what I want you to do, I want you to literally join me, put on your Samsung S3.5 memory helmet. Put it on, okay? Now, if you got the Apple version, you just need to go to the uh, App Store and download it. But if you got Samsung, you got to get this big old thing right here and put it on, okay? <laughs> and then I want you to turn the gauge, I want you to turn the gauge back to May 2011, and what you're going to find, Wes got his Samsung, okay, Jahan got her Samsung, I see you. I want you to turn it back to 2011 and open your eyes. And what you will see, I uh, forgot to send my man, Mr. B- oh, he got it. You're the man. Harold Camping, anybody remember Harold Camping? Harold Camping uh, predicted, not for the first time, but he predicted that May the 21st, 2011, would be the end of the world as we know it, that Christ would spiritually rapture his people away, and that for the next five months, God Almighty was going to pound the world with earthquakes, famines, pestilences, so on and so forth, and ultimately be culminated on October the 21st, 2011. I'm pretty sure he was wrong. What do y'all think? Yeah, he was wrong. And he joined a long list. He's retired now from uh, making predictions and he actually, he actually repented, so you know, he, he, it took a little while, but he actually repented and said, you know what, I joined what Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour, I'm sorry. He said that, so give him a little bit of credit, grace to you, brother. So um, what we find is that uh, he joins a long list of, of persons who have, have claimed to know when Christ would return, and I could go, I mean, the, the list is, is incredible, and I don't have the time to exhaust it. But uh, just a few, I want to draw your attention to a, name by, a man by the name of William Miller. And he actually started a movement called the Millerite Movement in the mid-1800s. And out of that movement came who we know uh, as the Seventh-day Adventists. Anybody know the Seventh-day Adventists? I have some, some wonderful friends who are Seventh-day Adventists, love the Lord, um, Seventh-day Adventists, as well as the Jehovah's Witnesses. And I wish I could say Jehovah's Witnesses are my friends, but they're not allowed to be your friend if you're not in Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm being, I'm being very serious. So nonetheless, William Miller predicted that Christ would return physically on March the 21st, 1843. Was he right? Nah. October 22nd, 1844. Was he right? No, sir. Uh, Ellen G. White, founder of the Seventh-day Adventists, she, she jumped on the bandwagon. She did the same thing, got a bunch of predictions wrong. Um, Joseph Smith, founder of the Mormon movement, um, he also jumped on the bandwagon, and on uh, Valentine's Day of 1835, he called a meeting with the leaders of uh, his movement. Notice I called it movement, uh, not 
we'll just leave it there, um, movement. And uh, he told them that God had revealed to him in a revelation that in 56 years, period, 56 years, Christ is returning, and that's, that's what's going down. And I think he was wrong. Um, so Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, they claim 1914 didn't happen, 1915, 1918, 1920, 1925, 1941, right on the cusp of World War II. Did it happen? It didn't happen. They thought it was going to happen, but it didn't happen. Did it happen? No, it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Okay. And finally, their last prediction was 1975. And then they tossed in their hat and said, we're done with nailing down dates. Uh, the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. So this conversation has dominated the thinking of great minds and common people alike. Anybody with me say amen. And so I want to tell you, uh, one of my students, as you guys know, uh, many of you know that Highland is a wonderful support to uh, the foundation that I'm privileged to run. Um, It is its own entity. So when you saw on the screen that Highland supports the I Have a Dream Foundation, that's not Highland, that's I Have a Dream and then we've got Highland, and you guys have done an incredible job. Give yourselves some love. You guys have done an incredible job supporting me and what, what the Lord is doing, and I have a dream, and I wish I could say names and, and tell you the people who do it, but they say, no, don't, don't mention my name. Just take this, and I really appreciate it, and others of you who come and serve. So thank you so much, but uh, one of my students at the I Have a Dream Foundation, I don't know if he's here uh, today, but his name is Chris, and Chris told me, I don't know if he saw a commercial for, um, you know, one of these movies coming out about 2012 or whatnot. But he said, Mr. Jazz, um, you know the Bible. Tell me what is really going to happen. Because what I think is going to happen is when Jesus comes back, he's going to be mad at everybody. And we're all, you're going to call all our parents and we're going to meet at the center. And you're going to be praying and God ain't going to kill us because he loves you. (laughs) True story. Is Chris here? Where's Chris at? He's not here. Okay. True story. You ask him. And, um. I told Chris, um, let, me, let, me, let me lay it down for you, what the scripture speaks of. And, uh, but before I tell you um, about that, I want to, I wanna, the question is this, where should we go for our information? You know, why not just go to the word of God? Instead of going to the word of God, we want to jump on Google and Wikipedia, you know, and we want to go to the Mayans. I mean, they were good at keeping their civilization going, right? So we should ask them for advice, right? No, no. Okay. We should go to the most recent, recent scientific theory, okay? Uh, by the way, science exalts Christ. So I want you to know it's not the Bible versus uh, science. Science exalts Christ, okay? And so when I say we shouldn't go to the most recent scientific theory because science continues to advance and makes predictions and we have to back up and then move forward and all these kind of things. But Jesus was right the whole time. And what I want to do, as a matter of fact, uh, the last one that I want to address, and this is relevant, I can't pass this, um, just trust yourself, right? Isn't that what the world tells us to do? Your truth is your truth, right? So as long as you believe something to be true, that's right, right? So my truth is that, you know, I I make $12,000 a month, right? So that should be true for me, right? No. So trust yourself about the the end times, when Jesus returns, and it'll be true, right? It's not true. Who should we trust, fam? I'm going to give you a hint. Who should we trust? Talk to me, baby. Who should we trust? 66 books, baby. The word of God. Jesus has spoken. God has spoken, and we should trust him. So let's look at what Jesus has to say. So if you have your Bible with me, please turn to Matthew chapter 24. And while you're turning there, I want you to know that um, there, there are what we call parallel passages throughout the scriptures, especially the, uh, the synonymous Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
um, actually John's not a part of the synoptic gospels, but of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospels, they all actually uh, capture what Jesus spoke about these things. And so in Matthew, it's in chapter 24, and Mark is chapter 13, and in Luke is chapter 21. So Jesus uh, is there at the temple, Matthew chapter 24, and he had just had a teachable moment with his, uh, with his disciples. How many of you guys know that Je- Jesus was a teacher of a teacher? Anybody know that? And Jesus had teachable moments all the time. Parents, we, uh, we, have, we have a lot to, we, we can learn from just the way Jesus uh, interacted with people and the way he taught. He was at the temple the last, for the last time because he knew he was about to pay for the sins of the world. That's when you say hallelujah. I don't think you heard me. I said he was about to pay for the sins of the world. And just before he was about to go and lay it all down for dirty, stinking, rotten sinners like you guys, I'm joking, like us, like us to, to make us followers. So now we don't have to live like dirty, stinking, rotten sinners, but, but lovers of God. Right before he did that, he was in the temple and he sees this old lady back in the back. OK, so how many of you guys know Jesus loves old people? He loves old people. That's why we got to we got to show our love for our, for our seasoned believers in Christ, our, our fam in Christ. Seasoned, not old, seasoned. Okay, so he sees the uh, elderly lady and he notices that the elderly lady, she takes out uh, like a nickel and she puts it in the offering. And Jesus says, wow, check it out. That woman just gave way more than my boy Bill Gates over here who wrote a check for uh, $1.5 million, but it's only like .00009 of his income. Yep, she gave more. So Jesus taught that that, uh, as a teachable moment. And as they're walking out after he teaches this, they're walking out and his disciples are like, man. And they're doing big things around here. And Jesus says, actually, teachable moment again, nothing that you see is going to withstand the test of time. All of this is coming down. And it blows their mind. They're like, what? This is the second temple. I mean, it got rebuilt. It's bigger and better than the first one. You tell them it's going to be destroyed? Jesus says, yes, it's going to be destroyed. And if you're with me, say yes. We're in Matthew chapter 24. After he tells them that everything will be torn down, verse 3 It says, and as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? That's some three things. When will the temple get torn down and what will be the sign of your coming and what will be the end of the age? You can flip that uh, slide there. And Jesus replied. He says, watch out that nobody deceives you. Look to your neighbor and say, don't get tricked. He says, many will come in my name. Did he say a few? No, he said, many will come in my name claiming, yep, I'm Jesus Christ. And you guys have heard me speak about this before. I do want to draw your mind to just a few people that I don't think I've mentioned before. Uh, the first picture is of a man by the name of Vasarian. He is a guru, spiritual teacher in Siberia right now, Siberia. He comes out once a year. He has a ton of land and his followers come and they, they worship and sing songs to this guy uh, for a whole year. And he comes out once with this uh, long flowing hair and this robe and he speaks the oracles of God to his people. That's Vasarian. He thinks he's Jesus, okay? He thinks he's the second coming. Next person up, this guy, uh, you may have seen him before. His name is Jose de Miranda, de Jesus Miranda, and he is based in Florida and Texas. He thinks that he's the second coming of Jesus right now, right now. He's alive right now. Matter of fact, his followers, see the little thing he's doing on his head? His followers do that, and he has a radio show. You can jump online and listen to him every single week. Um, so he thinks he's Jesus. Next person, I'm going to give you a spiritual truth right here. This man's name is Halle Selassie, and he was the emperor of, of Ethiopia, and you see the lion in the back? You know why the lion is in the back? He thinks, he thought he was the lion from the tribe of Judah. Who does that remind you of? 
Jesus. He thought he was Jesus. So the only problem is he died again. So I guess you're going to have to come for the third coming. Okay? So, so, and, you know, I talked to Rastafarians. Rastafarians, they think that this guy is, is Jesus, Almighty God in flesh. And Rastafarians, um, just like my people, I just, I got to go there. I got I to go there for just one second. My people, we, we got to have our own version of everything, black people, man. We got to have black Barbies. We got to have black Santa. You know what I mean? We got to have our own black president, you know? We got Black Friday. Thank, thank, thanks to a rock group, we have our own black Sabbath, okay? And, and now, thanks to this guy, we got our own black Jesus. So, um, so Jesus said very clearly, many will come in my name, but, but don't be deceived. Verse 6. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars and see that you are not frightened. Why? Because those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. Now, some people would suggest that this is talking about the time that Jesus lived in, and it's not. And the reason we, we, can, we, we know that, that even though this was uh, the, uh, somewhat of an immediate fulfillment in his day and age, it was greater because Jesus lived in a time called the Pax Romana. Anybody heard of that? Pax Romana, uh, what's the English word, Pax Romana? Anybody know? Roman peace, peace of Rome, that's right. And so there were no real wars and rumors of wars uh, during the Pax Romana because if you wanted to start an uprising, you just get smashed. And that's exactly what happened to Jerusalem in the year 70 AD. There was an uprising saying, hey, we want our own freedom, and they, they smashed it, okay? Um, so Jesus says there are going to be wars and rumors of wars like you ain't never seen before, okay? And he says that it must take place, and that's still not yet the end. Verse 7. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom in various places. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. We talked about that last week. Then they will deliver you to tribulation. Say tribulation. And will kill you. Oh, my goodness. What? And kill you. And you will be hated by all nations on account of my name. And at that time, many will fall away and will deliver up one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and mislead many. And because lawlessness is increased, more specifically, they're saying because of the lack of people honoring God's word has increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the love, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Everybody look to your neighbor and say, will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness to all the nations, and then, look to your neighbor and say, then. And then the end will come. Big stuff, right? Big stuff, very big stuff. So what we find is that Jesus goes on in the next chapter, and the rest of that chapter in the following chapter, he goes on to explain that there is going to be tribulation that comes to the world greater than the world has ever seen. If you with me, say yes. Greater tribulation than the world has ever seen, and he basically categorically uh, categorizes this type of tribulation. Now, before you get afraid, because I see some of y'all like, oh my goodness, this is worse than I thought, okay? Um, just know, I have really good news at the end of this message, and uh, so just just hang in there with me with, for less than 10 minutes, and, and you're going to be encouraged. I can promise you that. Okay, so he categorizes the, 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 the tribulation that's to come, and in three ways, and the first one is environmental. He says that there will be earthquakes, great earthquakes in various places. Man, there's going to be famines. There's going to be pestilences. There'll be plagues. There'll be great disease. Um, he says, that, and Paul says in Romans, man, if the earth would continue to mimic a woman, 
being, being pregnant and giving childbirth. We got any mamas up in here? We got any baby's mamas? Any baby's mamas? Okay. All right. Yes. So he says, man, you guys, you kind of get it. Like Ms. Sherry said last week, uh, that's, that's exactly how the earth is acting, and it's going to be greater, and it's going to be greater. Second category is relational. He says that, man, amongst people, amongst humankind, uh, there's going to be continued and greater increasing war and national conflicts, and the love of many are going to go cold, and there's going to be hatred and betrayal, and it's going to grow like kudzu. Anybody got kudzu at your house? Man, he said, man, it's going to be crazy. People hating other people, it's going to be just like that kudzu you can't get rid of, okay, and just grows and grows and grows. And Paul, put it, Paul said that people would grow to be incredibly self-centered. Anybody seen that around? Because people would be, grow to be incredibly self-centered, materialistic, arrogant, children disrespecting parents. Now, that sounds like, oh, give me a break. That can't be a sign of the times. But listen, back in the day, kids didn't disrespect their parents. This is new to the world, okay? You disrespected your parents. You, we can go far back enough, you get killed, okay? Seriously, okay? And if you go back to Gastonia, where I grew up, you get smacked. You don't disrespect your mama. So Paul says, man, children disrespecting their parents, they're going to be ungrateful. People are going to be lovers of pleasure rather than God. Great increase of religion, but not in relationship of the true God. And then the third category, we got uh, environmental, we got relational regarding humans, uh, affairs with one another. And the last one is evangelistical. And that means in regards to the gospel. And Jesus says, man, many false Christs will come claiming to be me. It's not me. He says many false preachers and teachers will come teaching things clearly contrary to the word of God. And you also will be persecuted so much so you'll be hated simply for loving and knowing me. And uh, so the question is, how are we tracking? Was Jesus right about these things? I mean, check it out. As we move into the future, Robert, as we move into the future, things are supposed to be getting better, right? And we got more technology, right? You know, we can go back. We have greater understanding of the way people work and the way our minds work. And these are all good things, but things are supposed to be getting better. But are things really getting better? I don't think so. As a matter of fact, environmentally speaking, we can talk. It's not even a surprise. You turn on the television and you wake up and there's an earthquake that just rocked the mess out of some country. Um, it's not even a surprise anymore. I could go down. I don't have the time to give you all the details. The most recent that we saw was Japan and or one of the most recent, and it was just horrible. It's not even a surprise anymore. Jesus, he was right. Um, that's not even talking about hurricanes and famines and disease. Did you know? How many know that America makes enough food to feed the entire planet? Anybody know that? But there's still, and I'm serious, and, but there's still famine and people dying of starvation around this planet. Jesus was right. Um, number two, relational. It says the love of many will grow cold. You guys probably heard about the linebacker from, uh, from Kansas City and uh, if you haven't, just Google it. I don't want to share any details because of uh, our young ones, but Google that when you get home or look that up. Um, it's not even a surprising when we find out about school shootings now. You know, uh, we, we find out about what happened at, you know, Columbine, Texas A&M, Virginia Tech, and so on and so forth. It's not even a surprise anymore. Um, Paul said people will be lovers of pleasure rather than, than God. Um, I just read an article yesterday, actually, and it says that as of November the 30th, ABC, uh, the website for ABC, they posted an article about Harvard University starting a kinky sexual club. And I put UOL on it because it sounds a little bit easier for the kids to hear than if I didn't. So sexual club. And this is what the article says. It says, Harvard College Munch, that's the name of it, started as seven students meeting during their lunch hour to discuss quirky sex 
interests. Now it's grown to 30 members, go figure, and is one of 15 student organizations that will be approved by the Committee on Student Life. The impact on campus will be that students who feel outside the sexual mainstream will now have a safe place to talk about their interests, to feel socially validated, and to build a community, close quote. Harvard psychology lecturer and sex columnist Dr. Justin Lemiller told ABC News. So uh, Paul was right. Jesus was right. Man, people going to be tripping, acting like they don't, they don't know what's going on. They're, gonna, they're completely infatuated with their own lusts and pleasure rather than being lovers of God. Was he right? He was right. So before I address the concept of the rapture, and I'm going to have to do that really quickly, um, I want to say a couple things about tribulation. Um, so tribulation simply means hardship, hard times, trials, okay? And um, maybe you grew up hearing, hearing your mama or your grandmama say, you know, everybody got to go through their trials and tribulations, amen? everybody got to go through their trials and tribulations. Well, let me say a couple things about tribulation. I think we need tribulation to a degree. I'm not saying I, I, I like earthquakes and famine and none of that. We need hardship. We need hardship. And I don't know about you, but I've had many conversations with people who I know have found the truth in Christ, Christians, Christ followers, and you approach them and ask them, what's God doing in your life? What's God teaching you, man? What's going on? What you learning, man? What's the Lord doing? Ah, not much. What do you mean? Ah, I'm just really focused on, you know, work. Oh, yeah, man, I got a promotion. I'm just focused on, you know, uh, just trying to grind, make that money, you know, take care of my kids. Yeah, things are going good. What about your relationship with God? Uh, you know, I'm just kind of just chilling. Anybody had those? Maybe, maybe that's you. I've, I've been there, okay? But as soon as that tribulation hits, what happens? God, I need you. We need tribulation. A couple more thoughts. We have multiple examples through the scripture where God does allow his people to go to tribulation. If you're with me, say yes. If you're with me, say yes. All right, we have multiple examples of God allowing his people to go through tribulation. I can't exhaust all those examples, but we have the children of Israel. They were in Egypt. They were uh, exiled, Assyria, Babylon, Rome. Um, God allowed them to go through tribulation. We got Joseph. He didn't even do anything wrong. He wasn't even sinning. He wasn't tripping. Joseph, doing God's will, and what happened? Tribulation, okay? And, of course, we have, we have Jesus himself, the Son of God, God in flesh, and even Jesus went through tribulation, somewhat of an example to us that God will allow us to go through tribulation. And Jesus put it this way, John 16, In this life, you will have trouble. The NLT puts it trials and sorrows. The ESV puts it tribulation. Look to your neighbor and say, Jesus said, you will have trouble. I'm going to get to the last part of that verse um, in just a few minutes. Um, but for the sake of addressing some of the major issues with which I've been handed, uh, I want to give you three concepts very quickly. Um, just for your intellectual uh, uh, appetite. Uh, so there are three concepts that I want you to be aware of in regards to the Great Tribulation and the Rapture. And the first one is called pre-trib rapture or pre-tribulational rapture. And that's simply saying that, you know, upon, upon the study of God's word, I've come to the conclusion that Jesus raptures his people out, uh, out of the earth, off of the, the earth, before the tribulation really hits. And we essentially kind of watch from heaven 
And for seven years, God is pounding the earth with incredible judgments. And uh, we kind of come back with Christ at the end of that. And um, I know and love many, many uh, scholars and theologians and friends who take that position. Um, I'm going to tell you what I think about it in just a second. Pre-tribulational. I left my, my, my sheets in my car. Nate printed me off some awesome uh, cardboard cutouts, and I left because I had to get here. Um, so the next one is mid-trib. Look to your neighbor and say mid-tribulational. That's the idea that for the great tribulation, God will allow his people to go through the first three and a half years of what we call the uh, seven-year tribulation. And I don't have time to kind of let you know about the 70 weeks of Daniel. But three and a half years, and then we get taken out. And then the rest, uh, the world is getting pounded. Then the last one is post-trib. Look, you never say post-trib. And the post-tribulational view is that God actually allows his people to go through the entire great tribulation... And at the end of the Great Tribulation, at his coming, he raptures us up, and he does it then. So you're probably wondering, well, what in the world do you think about it? What's the church's position? What does Pastor Jazz think about it? What does Pastor Jason, what does Pastor Shannon think about it? And this is our answer. You ready? My answer is, I don't know. We don't know. We kind of we have hopes and desires that it'll be this or be that, but I don't know. And so the question is, well, if you don't know, then who does? And it's Jesus. But I want you to know that the Bible does speak about a rapture, and that's 1 Thessalonians 4. Let's read it just really quickly. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. Everybody say, will. With a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together. There it is, caught up. There it is. Everybody see it? Say yes. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. That's the rapture. There it is. The question is, when does it take place? And my answer is what? I don't know. And I think it's something like this. I think God gives us somewhat like a uh, movie scene epiphany as far as these things go. You guys ever watched a movie? And in the movie, it, gets, it hits you with a little bit of information about this character. And then it kind of backtracks and hits you with a little bit of information about this character. And before you know it, you see the woman, she put a credit card in her, in her pocket, and you're like, what was that about, okay? And then, and then this happens, and then something towards the middle or the end of the movie ties all of it together. I think that's exactly what the Scripture teaches about some of these things. As a matter of fact, Isaiah said it well. He said, to whom will he teach knowledge, and to whom will he explain the message? Those who are weaned from the milk, those taken from the breast." For it is precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Isaiah said, man, the way God has been operating from the beginning of time is that he gives a little revelation here, and he gives a little here. He gives insight here, and he gives insight here. And uh, that's, it's kind of like when you start dating, Robert, when you first started dating Bobby, she didn't tell you that um, she can't stand, she can't stand for you to walk around without your jeans being ironed. She didn't tell you that, did she? She still ain't told you, my bad. <laughs> yeah. So you don't, you don't give everybody the whole thing at once, right? Okay, so you kind of wait, and you wait till you get married, and then you let your wife know. You, you, we got to make the bed, baby. I, I, hate, I hate coming to the bedroom and the bed ain't made. She's like, why didn't you mention that before? I wouldn't have married you, okay? So, <laughs> so, so God, God gives a little here, a little there, precept upon precept, and I think, I think this, this qualifies for that. So in closing, I don't want to close 
on the tribulation because we got some good news from Jesus Christ. I ain't closing on the tribulation. Guess what I'm going to close on? His coming. Look to your neighbor and say, his coming. So I, wanna, I, wanna, I want us to, to, to draw our minds not on the things that we don't know, but on the things we do. And there are just a few things that we do know. The first thing is we do know a rapture of God's people will happen prior to the second coming. If you do know that, just say yes. We do know that the tribulation is coming, be it micro, personal life, hardships, trials. We do know that tribulation is coming, or be it macro, very large scale, catastrophic. We know it's coming. Number three, we know that God has not appointed us to wrath. I'm going to read something encouraging for you. Paul put it this way, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive what? Say it like you mean it, fam. Salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Peter said it this way. He says, man, the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. So God knows how to do that. If he keeps us here the whole time, he knows how to do what what he's going to do. He's almighty God. He knows best. That's what we do know. Number four, we know that Jesus promises to be with his people. He promises to be with us. And I call it the two-finger theological promise. And this is what, I'm, this is, this is what I mean. Uh, when, I was, when I was young, man, I used to get hurt and go to the hospital all the time. When I was a little boy, climbing up trees, jumping off the house, trying to do a backflip off the house, you know what I'm saying? I'm breaking bones, you know, cutting myself, just doing silly boy stuff, you know? And so I, I was making trips to the hospital left and right. My mom, after getting on to me, telling me, boy, I ain't got no gas money to take you to the hospital. Then she said, you okay? You all right? Okay. I love you, Jazz. I love you. So we go to the hospital, and when I'm getting some stitches, you know, what they got to do when you get stitches right here on them, they got to numb it up, right? And my mom said, well, baby, I can't take the pain away, but I'm here with you. So she gave me her two fingers. I grabbed her two fingers, and they poked me out. <laughs> but guess what? Because she was with me, I made it. Anybody follow me? Okay, and the same thing happened. I had a, a, a cyst removed not long ago, and Maggie gave me the two fingers. I was in the, I was in the doctor. <laughs> I was like, baby, give me your fingers. She gave me her fingers. She was with me. And Jesus says, man, I give you my two fingers. You will have trials. You will have tribulation. But I will be with you. Take this scripture out. John 14, 27. I'm, I'm almost done. Look to your neighbor and say, he's almost there. So John 14, 27. See, a good preacher know when it's about time to wrap it up, okay? John 14, 27. Jesus says it this way. I want y'all to read it with me. Can we, can we read it with me? He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's the two fingers he's talking about. So in closing, and the band can come on up, they about to, about to send it home. In closing, what I want you to get out of this is that these things that we see are not for us to fear or to fret, but these things are confirmation that Jesus was right. These things are confirmations that he's coming back. And if the Bible was right, if the Bible was trustworthy about the fact that Jesus Christ would come where he came from, that he would be born to a virgin, that he would live and do the things that he did, that he would claim to not only live but die and raise again, did he stay dead? I said, did he stay dead? Did he stay dead? Did he stay dead? 
He didn't stay dead. And the fact that he didn't stay dead and then he rose to the Father and then the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit did exactly what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do, that tells me proof positive that he's coming back. So I want us to read this last scripture together. I'm going to pray and Nate is going to take it home. Check it out. Jesus' words to us. You guys read it with me. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to take place, stand up. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand with me. I'm going to close this in prayer. And Nate is going to lead us in worship of Almighty God. Father, matter of fact, lift your hands up just like this. Father, we thank you so much for being a good God. We thank you for speaking to us. We thank you that through your word you have revealed yourself, not concealed yourself. And Father, you promise to be with us even until the end. So, Lord, we take you at your word. We love you. We need you. I'm asking that you would drive out any discouragement and bring encouragement, Father. I'm praying that where there is fear, Father, where there is anxiety, I pray that you would comfort your people by means of your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, and that you would ultimately have your way. So, Lord, I'm asking that you would give us the grace to stand up and lift up our heads and tell others about the good, glorious return of Jesus. And as we celebrate the birth and the first coming, Lord, I'm asking that you would give us the grace to embrace the second. We know the way to prepare and make peace with the second coming is to come to grips with the first one. We love you. We need you. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, hey, man, hallelujah.